This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It is Friday, January 28th, and this is People Every Day. Hi, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. It is Friday. We made it. And I am here to get you all in the know and geared up for your weekend, a very snowy weekend for some of you. So here's what's been bubbling up on my newsfeed today. You may have heard by now that after collecting the second most wins in Jeopardy! history and becoming the winningest woman in the show's history, Amy Schneider is out. She took home just a little over $1.3 million. So I think she's going to be okay despite the end of her reign. (laughs) That said, the 42-year-old software engineering manager made headlines not just for her winning streak, but for being the show's first transgender contestant to qualify for the Tournament of Champions. And in an interview with people, she shared what the experience has meant to her. I think a lot of the most meaningful to me has been actually from sort of parents and grandparents of, of trans people, um, you know, and, and, and saying that the, it's, it's made them feel better about, you know, the life that their, their loved ones are going to have. So after such a successful run, what does she plan to do with all of that money? You know, we're going to take a trip to Ireland and and we're thinking about what, where where else we might go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, buying some, some fancy designer clothes, I think, is, is definitely, definitely on the list. Travel and a shopping spree, absolutely. <laughs> Moving on to some other notable ladies, Drew Barrymore, who's 46, interviewed fellow actress Kate Hudson, who's 42, on her talk show. And the two of them took a stroll down memory lane discussing how they met, when they were young and wild, you guys, and Drew's not-so-exclusive relationship with actor Luke Wilson. Listen. Ah. And I was dating him, yeah. but you were. I think he was also dating other, other people. people. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was an open relationship. Well, we were I, young. It's. I've been there with a Wilson, too. <laughs> Kate, of course, dated Luke's brother, actor Owen Wilson, off and on in the 2000s. Of her open relationship with Luke, though, Druk went on to say, quote, we're just young. We're having fun. We're all playing, acting, hanging out. You're not taking it all so seriously. And it was fun. And we had the best time. I love when Drew gets candid. To start this segment, I'm going to let the artist speak for herself. Let's take a listen. You've been very private about your personal life up until now. Why did you want to do this documentary? It's just something that needs to be done. If you do not know who that is, that is the voice of the legendary Janet Jackson, Miss Jackson, if you nasty, and she is correct. This documentary needs to be done, the documentary, because in a two-night special event, Premiering tonight on Lifetime and A&E simultaneously, we get the first glimpse into the life, love, family, and motherhood of an icon that has been very private about all of it. As she says in the trailer, this is a story about control. Control! Okay, I'll stop. I don't know about you, but that already gives me chills. Here to talk about some of the revelations we can expect to see in the documentary is People Editor Melody Chu. Hey, Mel. 
Hey, Janine, we've been waiting so long for this. I mean, Janet's an icon. There is is no doubt about that. I mean, as a girl growing up listening to her music and, and trying to copy her dance moves and being inspired, she just captivated everyone by her artistry. So, so with her artistry. So when she first took the stage on the Carol Burnett show, she showed the world who she was. So let's take a listen to that. Go home, Jan. Why don't you go home? Go home. Not until I sing my part. What's your name? Janet. You sing with the group? In the Jackson 5 family, everybody works. So, Mel, for you, why do you think Janet will forever be thought of as just a powerhouse in the industry, just to set the tone? A lot of the people you see in this documentary have talked about her being the inspiration, like Mariah, Sierra, Janelle Monet, all of these huge A-listers now um, who are owning every stage say that Janet was the one who inspired them. She just broke down all these barriers in the music industry and her family. I mean, there's a lot to to unpack um, in the Jackson world. And I think she just has this it factor that that I think everyone wants to recreate and, and find that magic. One of the things, and, and you mentioned it there, there's so much to unpack with it. Everyone is going to be wanting to hear about her relationship with her brother, Michael Jackson. So let's take a quick listen to her thoughts on carrying the Jackson name and, and the weight that came with it. There's a great deal of scrutiny that comes with having that last name. We're trying to follow up a no, big album. No, I'm sick of this. I don't need this. I'm going home. Renee, pull that up. Do you want me to cut it? Did the allegations affect you career-wise? Yeah. Guilty by association. Well, you can just right there feel the heaviness of what she had to deal with in that clip. But obviously, the two of them were very close. Do you think the pressure of the industry and, and all the controversies surrounding him drove a wedge in their relationship? For sure. And to hear her talk about it is really... Sad. I mean, she said they were best friends. They did literally everything together. Whenever Michael had new music, she would be one of the first people that he would play it for. Like, they'd go in a car and have that moment, and he wanted to see what she thought. And then it was Thriller when he really, you know, became this otherworldly superstar. She could feel it changing. Like, there was a shift happening. She remembered this one time where he came into a room and, and you know, that was their thing. Like, they just had these long talks about life and then he came in and then he just left and she was like, oh, that was, that was a different moment for us. Clearly, fame was hard for all of them. But I think for Michael, I mean, even Janice says that it felt like everyone was sort of out to make him like he was some sort of freak, like he was different. And, and I feel like he was going through a lot himself and maybe he was internalizing it. And maybe that's why they also had that split between them that, yeah. And, and she said it was just really sad. I mean, it would also make sense as to why if they weren't really talking and they kind of grew apart in that like early 80s era, why she wouldn't know what really was going on with Michael in regards to, you know, these allegations that have, have come out against him, the sexual abuse allegations and all of that. I mean, if, if they weren't as close as they were, she might have been in the dark about that as well. Let's get to something she said about her relationship with her father. She talked about that controlling aspect that he had pretty much over the whole family, but her included. But in spite of that, that she loved him and she gives him credit for discovering her talent. Yeah, I was really interested to hear what she was going to say because I feel like there are always rumors about Joe and, and their relationship with the kids and like, mm -hmm. was it too much? Was it too controlling? But 
she she says really nice things about him and that he was at the core of it a really good guy very protective of his kids she said that they grew up in a a pretty traditional kind of discipline household despite the fame and all of that like there was a love there of course there were tough times i mean i thought it was interesting that she said she wanted to be a lawyer and and without joe we would not have janet jackson this icon. (laughs) Okay, let's talk love before I lose you. Privacy has always been valued by Janet, and this was super apparent in her romantic relationships, right? She married husband James DeBarge in 1984 when she was just 18 years old, and that was annulled a year later because of his drug use. And then she got remarried to Renee Elizondo Jr. in 1991 and split in 2000. Finally, she married her third husband, Wassam Almana, in 2012, whom she had a son with. And since their separation in 2017, there has been a pretty public custody battle surrounding them. So Janet and love has always been something we have been watching. And in the trailer, she says, I haven't given up on love, which is just amazing. So so we're rooting for her. But what did she reveal? What do you think we're going to get about that part of her world? I mean, I think it's amazing she hasn't given up on love. And that makes me really happy for her to hear her talk about her relationships like getting married so young why she did that and she's been through abuse and all of that so to hear that she can still believe in it and I'm same as you I I need to know who she's dating like does she want to get married again or does she just want a life partner now Um, I want to know what she says about Wasam and how things are now I mean that got really ugly as you and I know we had to report out that story over the years well lastly Mel I mean What else? What are we getting? How deep is this documentary going to go? Because there is so much ground to cover. A lot of it is controversial when it comes to the Michael stuff, the allegations, the Super Bowl. Let's talk about that. Like, I mean, are we going to be seeing any of those real juicy nuggets that fans are waiting for? I hope those rumors that JT makes an appearance is true. I think to have Janet in control and it's her documentary and like her sort of Letting him speak is a nice way of to come full circle and and to get um, to share her side of the story. I don't know. I'm I can't wait for that part. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it's real. <laughs> well, thank you, Mel, for taking out the time and joining me to discuss one of the most dynamic female musicians of our time, Janet. I have my little black cap and and leather jacket ready to go. A two night documentary event will premiere tonight at eight p.m. ET on Lifetime and A and E. You guys, since we're in the music spirit, Kanye West is in the news again. And for once, it has nothing to do with a Kardashian or a Fox. (laughs) It's New Music Friday here on People Every Day. And we've got some music news from Ye and a few others after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. We are back, and like I said, it's New Music Friday, where I take you through the latest music news and what to listen to this weekend. And, well, Ye is coming back with a new sound. The 44-year-old rapper teased his fans with a post from his Instagram account featuring a burning house with the date 2 So folks are saying February 22nd, 2022, Ye is expected to release another 2, the sequel to his Donda album, Donda 2. Rapper Future is executive producing the album, and I can only imagine the diss tracks Ye has in store. Actually, (laughs) I think we already heard one. Watch out, Pete Davidson. But let's get to what you should be bumping in your ear pods this weekend. That's the latest hit from Ricky Martin, Otra Noche in L.A., or Another Night in L.A. It's the second release off of his upcoming Play EP, and if you haven't seen the music video for it yet... I highly recommend. Steamy is one word for it. <laughs> okay, on to something smoky. The Chainsmokers just released a new song for the first time in two years, a new single called Hi. This is the first we've heard from the group since they went on hiatus after their World War Joy Tour. So fans are primed and ready. And lastly, you faithful listeners know I love me a good R&B slow jam. And Grammy winner Ella May's new single, DFMU, I'll let you guys listen for what that means, just came out and I am really feeling it. Take a listen. If you really just make sure you're there for me Feel I'm falling in too deep That's so Just like I did with her hit boot up, I will definitely have this on repeat, ready for this sophomore album, and I am already obsessed. Now time to dig into some sadder news in Hollywood. There's been so much loss this year, but one story that weeks later still seems to be pulling at heartstrings is the sudden and unexpected loss of Bob Saget at the age of 65. The beloved actor and comedian passed away on January 9th. Of course, fans knew him best as Danny Tanner on Full House and then later Fuller House. He lent his voice to the older Ted Mosby in How I Met Your Mother and was the legendary host of America's Funniest Home Videos from 1989 to 1997. Well, yesterday, his 32-year-old daughter, Lara, took to Instagram and pinned an emotional post to her late father that I want to get into. Saget is someone whose legacy has spanned so many generations, and and joining me now to discuss the latest on this is People's Senior Editor, Brianne Heldman. Hey, Brianne. Hi, Janine. So many are still in shock about Bob's passing. His roles meant a lot to a lot of people. But when I saw his daughter's post to him, it it showed how much more he was to his family, right? So let's talk about what she said. Absolutely. So she posted this black and white photo that was taken in the 90s. So she's a, a pretty little girl. She's 32 now. So just this sweet, intimate moment of the two of them. And the caption read, 
to anyone afraid to love, unconditional love is the greatest of gifts. My dad loved with everything he had. He had so many reasons to be scared to love. So many loved ones kept dropping the body. Instead of being scared, he loved more. I am beyond grateful to receive and to give that love. Love completely and be kind. Of all the lessons he taught me, these feel the biggest. Hmm. It's such a touching post. He obviously really ingrained in his loved ones just how much he loved them. He was so unafraid to share how much he loved all of the people in his life. I didn't know before his death that he was so generous with his emotions and with his love. And Mm, we've seen John Mayer and Jeffrey Ross and all of these very famous celebrities talk about that he would end his text messages even to them with, I love you. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful lesson to be teaching others. And I feel like we're, we're learning in the process by processing our grief for Bob. You're right. There were people I didn't even realize he had close relationships. Tiffany Haddish, you know, other comedians and actors coming out and saying, these are the little things that he would do and say. And so it just puts him in a in a different light in that regard. I mean, news-wise, I know, you know, even as of last week, we hadn't heard the exact cause of death. Was there anything new in that regard? Nothing as yet. It certainly still appears to be a health matter. Mm-hmm. It seems like it probably was some sort of heart attack or aneurysm or something of that ilk. It's just shocking and devastating. And one of his other daughters, Audrey, posted a screenshot of the last text that she received from him. And it said, thank you, love you, showtime. So it was sent right before he did his final show. What a touching final message. What we all should be taking from Bob Saget's death is a reminder to tell the people we love how much we love them and tell the people we appreciate how much we appreciate them. And Janine, you are on my list. I love and appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness, Brianne, thank you so much. Same to you. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, as we mentioned just now and earlier, there are just so many tributes to him that are still coming out. Um, there was a beautiful one from the Full House cast and, and the show's creators, and they wrote, he was a brother to us guys, a father to us girls, and a friend to all of us. Bob, we love you dearly. He really did have so much love to give, right? So so what are some of the other tributes that we're still seeing come out and, and, and learn about him? I mean, the interest, I can tell you just from the people.com traffic, which I always think is an interesting indicator of what people are interested in. Mm -hmm. Some of these stories are still charting really high. A lot of people are still reading them. One of them is the video of John Mayer and Jeffrey Ross picking up Bob Saget's car from the airport. That one really stands out. I cannot watch the video of Jimmy Kimmel's tribute on his show right after he died, where Jimmy Kimmel breaks down in tears Mm. without crying myself. I'm one of those people that I see other people crying and I cry too. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Empath. Well, before I let you go, I mean, when you think of Bob Saget, like what immediately comes to mind for you? What's your favorite role of his? So I, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a role, but I was a huge America's Funniest Home Videos fan. Thank you. Hello and welcome to America's Funniest Home Videos. Now, it's no secret that our show is doing really well, and I want you to know that it hasn't gone to our heads. <laughs> it was something that I watched with my family every Sunday night. But I was in first or second grade, and, you know, we we wrote letters back then. It was, it was the 80s. <laughs> and in, you know, in our second grade class, we were learning how to write a letter, and I think I wrote a letter to Bob Saget. 
because I was so obsessed with America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> and he did send back a postcard with a little autograph on it. What? So when I think of Bob Saget, I picture this postcard with this photo that had a big blue background. I can absolutely picture it like I saw it yesterday. That is amazing. I love <laughs> that. I love that so much. Well, Brianne, thank you for taking us into this. Of course. Well, I am ready for the weekend. You know, I'll be cheering on my 49ers this Sunday. Sorry, not sorry, you Rams fans. And with the Super Bowl only a little over two weeks away, Niners will be there, uh, the hype is already building for the commercials, including a Lay's Potato Chips teaser commercial featuring Seth Rogen and people's reigning sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. Yeah, we're teasing commercials now? Yeah. That's a thing? Right, like a movie trailer. Yeah, but I mean, the commercial's incredibly short in the first place. How long is the teaser? Oh, it's really sh- They're just silly. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening to People Every Day. And as we say goodbye for the week, here's a clip of my toddler saying goodbye to my son as a little extra something to make you smile. People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Amy Machado, Madison Lesby, and the great team at Pod People. People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs, with help from Eliza Sessler and Fallon Harge. Edited by Morgan Foose, and executive produced by David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. <laughs>